If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system podcast. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 190. It's our final tips podcast of 2021, featuring the last ever European Tour event, the season ending DP World Tour Championship, where the race to Dubai champion will be crowned. It's also the annual Kevin Ke- Kevin Kisner Appreciation Week as we take in the final PGA Tour event of 2021, the RSM Classic from Georgia. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's golf betting action. Good morning, gents. Morning, chaps. Morning, guys. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. The podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in-depth betting previews. Masses of tournament statistics, which include strokes gained again this week. And our predictor models all available completely free of charge. And there's no paywall. We are available on Twitter. Paul is at Golf Betting. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. I am at Bamford Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Please subscribe and like the shows. I'll be recording my RSM Classic show after this podcast. Now... You guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. Would be really good, actually. Give us a Christmas present, a five-star review. We will read out your reviews as we crack on into 2022. I think we're going to be back, aren't we? Tournament of Champions will be our next tips podcast over the New Year period. Yeah, um, yeah. That's the way it'll be. I, I'm, I'm tempted, boys, just to do potentially a Christmas special. But we can talk about that off mic. A Christmas special, the first ever golf bank system Christmas special. I'm tempted to do that. If, you, if, if, if you're listening and you're interested in that, send us a message. Do you, do you fancy a Christmas special? Anyway, back to the reviews. We need your five-star reviews, desperately. Really helps with our rankings on iTunes and Apple. So... Please um, give us some five-star reviews for as a Christmas present. I've got one here. Great Golf Podcast, five stars. Now, I've got to do an, a, a South Southern States American accent with this one. Just was talking, <laughs> just was asked at work why I was laughing and had to tell them because y'all were talking about Mito Pereira. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Mito Pereira. Always enjoying listening to Yol, and let's hope Mito takes down the mighty John Rahm this week. I think this was written clearly before the 40 net. I remember people lumping on John Rahm at five to one to win the 40 net championship. He he was a he was an absolute sir. It was like printing money, and he missed the cut. Uh, that's the week I put up Mito. Mito Perea. 
And he actually got a nice each-way spot that week, did Mito. Mm. Anyway, that's from Wizco13. I'm sorry about the accent, Wizco. And, of course, he is in the US of A. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank, thanks for the thanks for the review, Wizco. And uh, apologies again for Steve's... Um, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how to describe that. What would you say, Barry? I don't know. I think we need to extend an apology down to the south of America as well for Steve's pronunciation of Mito's Yow. poor Mito's oh. name. Oh God, Mito's from Chile, isn't he? he is, Mito yeah. Perea. You have a thing with the Chileans, don't you? I do. I love them. I love getting an each way spot with either Wakin or Mito. I'm not on Mito this week, though, and I'm not on Wakin. I mean, I'm on me though. It's a it's a non-Chilean week for me, so one of them's going to win. Mm. But yes, this uh, one thing I was going to say before we before we move on, I just wanted to thank all of the listeners for 2021 and supporting the podcast. Um, it's been a phenomenal year for us, our biggest year ever. Um, but we couldn't do it, couldn't do it, of course, without your support, the five star reviews, and just the general amount of downloads that we're doing these days and it's all down to you guys so thank you for your support we will be back either with a christmas special or if we don't do that we'll definitely back for the um tournament of champions which is over the new year down in uh maui uh, hawaii so thanks for all your support yeah just just to just to kind of back that up and uh, we we get a lot of feedback via um, email via twitter on facebook and uh through the comments on um, on social media as well, and uh, YouTube and uh, and the like, and um, it's always well appreciated. There's always developments and uh, stuff going on in the background, and uh, Steve and I won't just be putting our feet up over the next few weeks. We will be busily working on um, improving the content, the stats on the site, and uh, sharpening our tools, I guess, for uh, for the start of next season. So, if there's any feedback, any comments, any things you think we should be doing or adding to the site then please do get in touch it's always appreciated to to talk and chat to you guys and uh, see what it is that uh, that we we could be doing that help that helps us all i guess uh, so yes that's uh, that's the plan for the next few weeks now i have to say last week we were this podcast was all over it like a rash absolutely all over it on the european tour i know we all mentioned Laporta. He was last off your list, Paul. So that gave me real yep. that gave me real belief that he'd do well. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. And sure enough, Laporta. Well, I'll, I'll let Barry talk about Laporta and, and and should he have won? Could he have won? Clearly, he could have won. But yes, that's so we we landed Laporta. At a, was it sixty six to one? Yeah, I that's think so. well, it depends where, where you shopped about, wasn't it? But yeah, it was. So close to being really good. I haven't I mean, finished what, yet. Don't forget oh, about Min Woo Lee as well. Me. We're all over Min Woo Lee. <laughs> I'll rewind. <laughs> Min Woo Lee as well. So, you know, we had we had horses on the course, didn't we, for this one? We, had, we actually had a real sweat. Mm. But yeah, Laporta. He was, he, in the end, JB Hansen took out the uh, title, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. What were you going to say about Laporta, Baron? Like it's it's all you could really ask for for a bet without it winning. You know he's right in the thick of things. Mm-hmm. You know hunting down the lead. Um, you get a bit of excitement from you know him not you know hitting a couple of not amazing shots. So 
Um, which is not ideal in that situation when you're up against somebody like JB Hansen in the form he's in. I mean, he was hitting the ball so well. Um, it was hard to see. You knew it was going to need something special from Laporta rather than a mistake from Hansen because you just couldn't see a mistake happening. Um, really, really impressive win by Hansen. And unlucky with Laporta, but um, hey, what are you going to do? Yeah. No, he had, he, had, he had a chance, but as you say, it was seriously impressive from Hansen. Um, he talked about Minwoo Lee, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was uh, tied fourth in the end. Again, there was chances, chances all the way through, really. Four under through 12, and then um, just couldn't birdie the par five and finished after that with a couple of bogeys and was three back in the end. And again, you turn that round, you birdie the par five. He, he made eagle there the day before, so he was you know, well within his... Uh, capability um you know birdie at the par five a couple of pars and he's actually on the winning score but uh, didn't quite happen but if you look at the you, know, you dig into the, the numbers Minwoo Lee made eight bogeys during the course of the week JB Hansen made one Laporta made two and mm. that's ultimately where Minwoo Lee fell down because you know a lot of his game was good his approach play was a little bit iffy at times but other than that he was uh, you know d- did a lot of it right apart from make um just a few too many mistakes uh, Dean Bermester annoyed me as well a bit because he started really well. Um, 65 he shot in the first round. He was four under through six on the uh, on the Friday. I know. Uh, and the then he, he was throwing his bogeys <laughs> like um, Russell Henley does. Oh, I don't know. He? On a Friday. It, 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 it annoys me because he, he was going so well. The commentators started victory lapping at that point because they'd all put him in their fantasy uh, fantasy teams. So they sent a uh, an on course interviewer out, of course. Uh oh. You kind of look at the screen and you just no, it wasn't Tim. It was the other guy, and you You're kind of around, you were you're just cringing. He's, he's, he smashed one down the middle of the par five in the middle of the green. He's got an iron into the green. He's four under through six. Everyone's thinking that no, he's absolutely flying at the moment. So of course he makes bogey there from the middle of the green, um, and yeah, just goes into in, into into reverse. That's in John Moore. <laughs> did they did, did they tell him that he, he was on all their fantasy teams? Was that it? Like, I don't know. It's just, you know, what, I, I, as a player, wouldn't you just refuse it? it it's so often that they send an interview out. And it's, uh, it's the kiss of death. The, the, next, the, the next thing you see, they, they thought, oh, you know, bloody hell, they're talking about me on the TV. And I, I must be doing all right. And uh, the next thing you see, it's a bogey, bogey, double, whatever it is, and uh, out of contention. You're kind they're, of they're, for me, there are probably only a handful of guys who could do that mid-round interview and it not affect them or, yeah. or have a positive effect on them. I mean, somebody, like say pops to mind, somebody like an Andy Sullivan could just like do that in his strides, you know, and just it washes away or he takes something good from it. You know, just to pick a name from the top of my head, but I, they're great, but they're not great because they're terrible interviews always. There's, they're just fluff. There's nothing in there. And yeah, yeah I just, I think they can only, the, the downside is so much bigger than any potential upside from doing them. Oh, it's just painful, Barry, isn't it? Especially it's, it's when pain- your money is on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, just the, the second you see him on, on the screen, it's, oh no. I love it when we start it. blaming John Morgan for um, our bets collapsing. No, it was, uh, I, I forget, it, it, was, it, was, it was the other guy. It was, I, I can't remember oh, his name, no, but, uh, but yeah, it was, um, 
Oh, well, regardless. It wasn't, it wasn't Tim Barter. They're, 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 no. They'd be saving Tim for this week. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He'll be interviewing Matt Fitzpatrick Friday morning and all of a sudden <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be bogey <laughs> double. I, yeah, I just hope yeah. that Matt Fitzpatrick isn't on the shant Wednesday night like he usually is, Paul, just for your sake. That's, that's all yeah, I'll well, say. Yeah, no, right? I've got, I've got a, I've got a, a habit of picking him when he starts off really slowly, but yeah, more of that yeah. later. Yes, um... I just wanted to Min Wu Lee. He is now. Let, 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 should we do? Should we do top fifty bubble watch? This is this is the the Masters top fifty bubble watch for a Masters invite come December. Forty seventh uh, is Si Wu Kim. Forty eighth is Stuart Singh, but I think he made the Tour Championship, so he'll, he'll be playing the Masters, whatever. Carlos Ortiz at forty nine. Mackenzie Hughes is on the bubble at 50. And then just outside, Minwoo Lee up five spots with his uh, top five last week at the Aviv Championship. Taylor Gooch at 52. Another one that keeps banging his head against the ceiling. And my friend, who's on my Never Back Again post-it note, Cameron Tringal is at 53. Funnily enough, Cameron Tringali is not playing the RSM Classic this week, so clearly not interested in getting into the world's top fifty. Bizarrely, but uh, you know who know, you know who knows how a lot of these players think. But Tringali, I, I would have thought he'd have been a dead serve for the RSM Classic. I think he was in the top five last year or something like that. Not playing. Fifty third in the world, not playing. That's crazy. That's absolute madness. I'm shocked by that. It has to be said. Anyway. Maybe he doesn't want to play Augusta. Right. So that's the Aviv Championship. Clearly, I snagged a 50 to 1 to win it. I know. But can you believe it, listeners? I actually snagged a winner. 50 to 1 winner with Jason Kokrag. Yep. Um, very, well very, very well. pleasing, that. Very pleasing yeah. as well. I mean, I worked it out yesterday morning, actually. So far, in, so far this new season since September, I've had Maverick McNeely finishing second at 50 to 1. I've had Matthew Wolf finishing second at forty-five to one, and I've had Colin Morikawa finishing second at sixteen to one. So actually, a winner. I mean, I've, I've been going to I've been going to uh, the church every Sunday praying for a change of lane. It, it finally landed with Jason. Yeah, I did. No, it was a brilliant, brilliant pick, Steve. I mean, ultimately on Saturday morning when he was finishing off that. Uh, oh, don't. Second round, you must have been. Uh, <coughs> well, it was you must funny. Have been sitting over your head in your hands. I went to watch Stevenage try and play football, but it was a good match because the fight the manager got finally got sacked. So that's great. So I enjoyed that. Manager gets we get beat. Manager gets sacked. That's that's all good. But I didn't look at the leaderboard until I got home. So I literally drove drove home, got out of the car, put on the PGA Tour app. I was thinking, oh, they must be they must be getting close to starting the third round because there was the delay. And I'm expecting to see Jason Kokrag in that top five window, you know, you get at the bottom. You're like, oh, Kokrag's not there. What's happened here then? So then I start scrolling. I'm going, my God, five under, four under, three. Where the hell is he? Get to one under. And I'm like, oh, my God, I cannot believe it. What has Jason done? So then you check it. And he was he was in third place last time I looked at that leaderboard with six holes to go. You're thinking, <laughs> what a great spot. He's clearly then slept on it. 
And even he said in his interview, oh, I don't know if I slept too long last night, but I was absolute garbage this morning. And he, he threw in two bogeys, a double, and, a, and he finished with a treble bogey. <laughs> just to yeah. really... And I'm just at that point, I'm thinking, well, it's finished. Cochrane's done. He was nine shots off the lead. And then he just played the golf that he has been playing. I said in my commentary, didn't I? You know, he absolutely pooed. I don't want to swear. You know, he pooed the bed when he was defending in um, Las Vegas. You take away that first 77, he'd been the third best golfer at the CJ Cup. Once the pressure would, you know, that's all over. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he'd clearly been playing stuff, some good golf. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. long track. Driving accuracy important. I think Cochrane's kind of he's he's that kind of player, isn't he? That can you look at the, the where they where they host the most difficult players on the PGA, uh, the most difficult tournaments on the PGA Tour, or sort of major venues. Cochrane's always sniffing around. You know, he's something else. Great record at Copperhead, isn't he, Barry? Mm. Great. He's also contended, come very close to winning the. Um, what they call now the Genesis Invitational at Riviera. We know Riviera, firm, fast, tight, difficult golf course. I think I think there's some real links there with that with that hut, with that memorial park, and you know those those stretching long tests. It's a difficult golf course. But yeah, pleased with that. Yeah, no, brilliant stuff. And he touched uh, four hundred to one on the exchange apparently when he when he went all the way out. So. That was um, for him to turn it around from that. Well, point. you know me. Every preview I do, I, I track the the distance to the lead, and he was nine back going into Saturday. Uh, well, to, going into the third round. That that you, I don't think I've ever seen nine back winning. Yeah, yeah, it happens very, from very time rare. to time, doesn't it? But yeah, it's, it's, it's a big big hurdle to overcome, and that uh, that blitz of birdies on the back nine on Sunday just uh, just separated him from the field, which was I think. I think Barry will agree. It's just nice, Paul, to see a stretching, genuine golf course on the PGA Tour. You know, where, where players are actually earning under par rounds. I mean, clearly, if that had been any other usual standard 25 under wins, you know, Kograg's finished at nine shots back, never going to win. But that one, where the actual lead came back, didn't it? I think it, it was 10 under going into the third round. And then at the end of the round, wasn't it 7 under was leading? So the, the lead actually went back three shots. Mm. Very rare yeah. to see that. Yeah, challenging challenging setup, challenging course, isn't it? Which is uh, good to see on the PJ Tour, as you say. It's, uh, it's a bit of a rarity, isn't it? That's, uh, compared to the typical birdie fests that we've been seeing recently. That is Coke Rag's third win in 28 PGA Tour starts. And Barry, you mentioned what set this all off with his putting. Do you want yeah, to enlighten the listeners? I just picked up one of those commentary nuggets um, on Sunday. They were saying that the, the thing that kind of seemed to have turned around his putting uh, was that his caddy, I think, noticed that his... Um, his hand was off the top of the putter, uh, off the top of the grip. He said, why is that? And uh, he said, it just feels better that way. So they lengthened his putter by an inch and all of a sudden everything became a lot more comfortable and consistent for him. Mm-hmm. So just tiny little things, it's amazing. That's, that, yeah. you know, whether, whether it be psychological or physiological for that reason or a combination of the factors, it just tri- triggered for him and uh, off he went. He's won three times now in the last what, twelve months. Yeah, mm. yeah. 
Yeah, certainly turned him around. There, thereabouts, it? yeah. Something else. He's a he's a yeah, he can consider a recent big time player now, you know, and he's 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 one that usually hits our collective heads for the majors as an outsider. Yeah. Definitely. The strokes game putting last year, last season, he was sixth total. It was only Zach Johnson, Patrick Reed, Ian Poulter, JT Poston, and I won't even mention Louis Oosthuizen because everybody knows Louis Oosthuizen is <laughs> the best putter in the world because it's on every TV commentary 30 times a session. Yeah, Louis, number one putter last year. Coke Craig was sixth. Uh, I guarantee that he was probably about 190th the previous season. Yeah, it's a big turnaround. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Anyway, that's enough of that. Let's let's talk about these the events this week. We have the European Tour Climax. We have the DP World Tour Championship from the Earth Course. Paul, over to you. Yeah, yeah. As you say, the last uh, European Tour event um, ever, because it's all going to become the DP World Tour, isn't it? After after this week, but. Um, yeah, before we get there, we've got the DP World Tour Championship, which is the uh, the season's finale. Um, we just hop over to the Earth Course um, from the other side of the Jumeirah Golf Estates from last week's Fire Course. And it's all about the Race to Dubai title this week. Um, we've got Colin Morikawa heading the um, list at the moment at 3,856 points. Billy Horschel, 3,620. So those two guys are... Pretty much clear at the top of the um, top of the race to Dubai rankings, and it would be a surprise to see anyone um, work out the maths and actually come through and uh, and pip one of those two guys to the title. John Rahm, um, three thousand four hundred two points, would have had a very live chance to win the race to Dubai this week, but he's decided not to come. He's decided to spend some time with the family. Um, big blow to the European Tour, you got to say, by by John Rahm deciding not to. Uh, not to attend, but um, that's where we are. So that leaves that leaves the two Americans clear at the top. Till Hatton's the closest challenger from there. Just to put it into context, two thousand four hundred and seventy-two points. So really, um, all said and done, it's going to take a big failure from both Colin Morikawa and Billy Horschel for one of those guys not to get over the line um, in terms of the overall race to Dubai. Um, but let's focus on the actual event itself, um, because it's a classy event. You've got um, the rest of the best of the European Tour as it is at the moment in attendance, uh, with the exception of um, Hovland and Rose. Both of those guys decided not to attend as well. Rose is actually playing over on the RSM Classic, I believe, Steve, on uh, on your event. I just um, wanted to Hov- say, actually, Patrick Reed, as of Saturday, was in the official starting list for the RSM Classic. Yeah, and then he was a he was a he was a WD. So clearly, that was a last minute decision to hop on the private jet and go to Dubai. Well, it was a last minute invite by the looks of it. I mean, just to give you an idea, the field is um, fifty players, um, but it's actually fifty one because JB Hansen appears to have got into the field um, courtesy of winning last week at the fire course, um, which then extended the fifty to fifty one. So James Morrison, who was the last available player. Um, pre JB Hansen's win, um, he actually gets in even though he's 51st in the pecking order effectively. Um, but then invites have been extended to both Patrick Reed and Sergio Garcia to attend, who are um, both outside of the, well, the, the, in terms of the race to Dubai, they're not even going to accrue points this week apparently. Um, 
So it's all a bit odd, all a bit strange. But as you say, Patrick Reed was uh, penciled in to play the RSM. So some some conversations have been had in the meantime. And uh, I, I guess they want to get a player like Reed over because he has and does support the European Tour um, and has supported the tour in the you know over the over the recent uh, years. And yeah, I guess you could argue with some conviction that there's been there's been enough disruption to the um, scheduling for the players and. Uh, to world golf in general this year to uh, to allow for a little bit of uh, leniency and a little bit of bending of the rules but uh, but yes that makes 53 in total here and um, versus the 50 that was originally uh, penciled in for this event with Garcia and Reed being added to the list um over the weekend as you say um Rory McIlroy then becomes the 6 to 1 favorite with no John Rahm here um, Colin Morikawa is 17 to 2 so just over 8 to 1 to win um, Matt Fitzpatrick sixteen to one. Sergio's in at eighteen to one, courtesy of his invite. Tommy Fleetwood eighteens. Abraham Ants at the same price, eighteen to one. Um, then you're into the likes of Paul Casey, Tyrrell Hatton, Bernd Wiesberger, all twenty twos and twenty eight to one. Bar that list of uh, what seven or eight players that I've just read through. Short field. Boyle Sports have gone eight places each way, even though it's only a 53-man field this week. Um, so you're covering off a big chunk of the field if you go eight places each way. I've got to say there's uh, a lot of good extended each way places terms out there this week. But uh, Boyle Sports trumped the lot this week. Um, they've extended that 10, bet 10, get £30 in free bets offer that we talked about last week to the end of this tournament. So it's running until Sunday. Um, if you fancy the Boyle Sports Bet 10, get 30, then pop along to the site. Links are on there. Um, full T's and C's are on there, of course, as well. Plus, you're getting eight places each way. And I believe they've gone um, 10 places each way on your event, yep. Steve. On 10 the, places uh, over at the RSM Classic. So you think that yes. through. Someone's like, we've got, we got eight additional each way spots this week across both tours, which is, well, we've said it all along with Boyle Sports, they've just been the best. Paddy Power always traditionally used to lead the way with each way places and the number of additional spots they gave away, but now ball sports are just way out there, way out there. So that and you do, yeah. That, at the moment, you, you're getting that additional bet ten get thirty deal. So uh, well, really aggressive, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's a really aggressive stance, and you've got to got to applaud how they're approaching it. And uh, yeah, let's hope it all continues into 2022. And there's a lot of competition between the bookies for everyone's business. And back to the Earth Course then, we've become familiar to it over the years, haven't we? It's a 7,675-yard par 72, Greg Norman design, a typical desert affair really, isn't it? Large Bermuda grass greens, long course, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it appeals to just the longest of hitters because we've seen a few mid-length players um, get over the line and, and seriously contend here over the years. Um Going back to 2009, we've got history, so there's plenty to pour over on the site this week. Uh, just to give you a flavour of some of the uh, the winning prices, 2010 was Robert Coulson, 50-1. to 1. Uh, Alvaro Quiros, 40-1 to 1 the year after. Rory McIlroy won his first of two titles in 2012 at 6-1. to 1. Henrik Stenson won back-to-back at 11-1 and 17-2 in 2013-2014. Uh, then we had Rory again at five to one. So Rory again six to one favourite this week. He's won here at six to one and five to one in the past. So worth noting if you do fancy a uh, another Rory win this week. Matt Fitzpatrick won in twenty sixteen. He was a sixty six to one shot that week. 
John Rahm won on debut in 2017, 12 to 1. Danny Willett, 80 to 1 in 2018. Rahm won again in 2019 at 7 to 1. Fitzpatrick won again in 2020 last year at 16 to 1. So a lot of repeat winners in that list from uh, from just uh, what 10, 12 uh, renewals over the years. Uh, weather set fair, mid 80s Fahrenheit in the afternoons, 10 to 15 miles an hour. It's, again, it's just typical Dubai weather. It's it's very very consistent. It's very very similar each and every year. The wind does pick up a little bit in the afternoons, but not excessively so. Um, just makes it a little bit more of a test. And this this event here, this this course has always typically been about long game performance, and that kind of bears out from some of the names we read through just just then: Rory, Henrik, Matt Fitzpatrick, John Rahm. Um, ball striking, high greens and regulation historically with the uh, traditional stats, and then just having that good enough putting week to uh, to get over the line. They've thickened the rough a little bit over the years. I mean, Matt Fitzpatrick last year was 15 under um, for his winning total. What we have seen as deep as 25 under in the past. So the, the winning scores have been reined back a little bit. But I don't think that fundamentally changes the the demands of this course and, and what you you know the kind of player that it tends to tends to appeal to. I mean, for me, it's similar to last week. You need to keep bogeys to a minimum. You need to maximise your performance on the par fives. And we did get a view last year of strokes gained um, for the first time. And I don't think it tells us anything new, really, that we won't have gleaned from eyeballing the, the, the course and the, the events in the past. But Matt Fitzpatrick was eighth for strokes gained off the tee when winning eighth for strokes gained tee to green. He was actually first for strokes gained putting, which was ultimately the differentiator. Lee Westwood, second place, sixth for strokes gained off the tee, third for approach, third for strokes gained tee to green. It's all very consistent and, again, you know, it marries up with the likes of uh, Henrik Stenson's game or the Rory's game or the John Rahm's game. Long game performance and then just have that good enough week on the greens to to get the job done. Uh, in terms of incoming form, um, there's a long list on the my preview, which you can, you can pour through if you want to go into a bit more detail. Every winner here had a top seven finish in their last six starts. So a bit of incoming form is a fairly good indicator, I think. Course form is also a positive. I mean, we've seen four dual winners now. Uh, Rory, Stenson, uh, John Rahm, Matt Fitzpatrick have all won here twice. So... Um, Good positive experience of this um, course and and this event is is a positive I think. Debutants, uh, John Rahm did win on debut. What back in twenty seventeen? John Rahm's a bit special. Though. I think you're going to need to be a little bit special if you would need to be a little bit special if you're gonna gonna win here on debut this week. But um, yeah, that's not to discount some of the players. You know, you've got the likes of Billy Horschel coming here and playing for the first time. Um, you know, and Billy's got a live chance of uh, of winning the race to Dubai. Billy won the uh, the BMW PGA Championship. He's, um, he's you know if there's going to be a player that could uh, could turn the tables on debut, then maybe that's the kind of player. But uh, I don't know. I, I've kind of gone around the houses a little bit here, and because um, when you've got two players at the top of the market, you've got a McElroy, you've got a Colin Morikawa, um, both short prices, both with very clear opportunities to win this golf tournament I mean, with Morikawa he's got the chance to win the race to Dubai Rory's down in the 20s in terms of his ranking so um, so that's out of the equation for Rory I mean it's, it's tough to oppose him um, Rory that is it's twice a winner here he won the CJ Cup in his last start 
Um, the split with Pete Cowan's now confirmed. He's back. He's with Michael Ballon full time again on the uh, on, on the swing coach aspects of his game. So, you know, perhaps we'll see a, a bit of a, a boost from him this week and over the next uh, next year as he develops or redevelops that relationship. But if you look back at the CJ Cup, it was still the putter that was doing the damage. And uh, I don't know. I, for a six to one shot, you're relying on Rory having that magical putting week. Um, to get over the go over the line um, with, with the state of the rest of his game at the moment, and uh, it's just not guaranteed in my view. When you when you look at Rory, I just can't work with that price and th- that uh, assumption that he's definitely going to have a guaranteed good putting week. So I've kind of swerved away from him. I've swerved away from Morikawa. I think the the fact that he's got this race to Dubai. Um, title and you know the metrics and the numbers that will be associated with that during the course of the week on his mind. I think that brings its own pressure. He's massively suited to the course. You know, the, in terms of ball striking, there's going to be very, uh, very little reason to oppose him. I think in the future on this, but um, again, at the price, I just couldn't go there. And if, if there's going to be one player that needs, um, uh, you know, one player that we can. Pick who's got the ability and the you know the proven um, record that can actually go ahead and win this kind of tournament um, with those players ahead of him in the market. And um, the one that fits the bill for me is Matt Fitzpatrick at sixteen to one. Great record here, fourth on debut back in uh, twenty fifteen. He won here in twenty sixteen, as we said a second ago. Um, he was twelfth when defending the year after. Thirty fourth in twenty eighteen is his only real um, failure, I guess. Ninth in 2019, won again last year. So defending this week doesn't really bother me. We've seen him defend before at Crans-Torcier, um, at the Amiga European Masters. He led when he was um, halfway when he was defending here in 2017. And, you know, a few years further on, very accomplished player, even more accomplished player now. Won at Valderrama last month. Um, kind of put that Ryder Cup um, disappointment out of his mind with that win. He described it as a bucket list win to win at Valderrama, and um, that should give him a lot of confidence coming into this week. Sip from the race to Dubai, so um, I guess mathematically there may be a chance that he can still win, but um, I think realistically he's looking at second or third if um, if he were to go ahead and win this golf tournament. And uh, that's the kind of um, the kind of thing that we've seen from Matt in the past. We've seen him come through from kind of mid race to Dubai positions and uh, secure a lofty payout um, as well as the uh, the race to Dubai or the, uh, the DP World Tour Championship title. Um, we've seen him do it a couple of times and I wouldn't be surprised to see it happen a third time here this week. So Fitz is in at the top 16 to 1. I've also backed Thomas Peters at 30 to 1 with seven places. That was with Bet Fred, I believe. Um, Belgium finally got over the line, didn't he? In Portugal a fortnight ago. Two years since his last win. He's better than that. We know he's better than that. Uh, five wins in total now, age 29. And perhaps we'll see him push on again from here. After, uh, Did after he go win-win to get in the Ryder Cup? He, back he in 2015... Win, I'm sure he went consecutive yeah. wins. I know that I know well, it was a DP World Tour Championship level win, but it was. I'm sure there was two in three or two in two or something like that. It was it, for him. It was personal back to back. Yeah, there was a week in between. It was the yes. Czech Masters and the uh, KLM Open back in yeah back in 2015. You don't, yeah, see, that, that you was don't first... see many players go back to back, do you? You've, it doesn't no. happen very often. So he's done it no. once already. 
Yeah, and it's it's kind of proven that when he hits that uh, top form, he can go ahead and uh, and maintain that level. So I think it was good that he took the week off last week. Um, he was penciled in again to play the fire course. After winning in Portugal, he decided to take the week off, which was quite sensible, I think. Um, and now he comes into this, and I think you're right, Steve. I think that that um, precedent that he's got in his um, you know in, on his CV in his in his mind for having gone back to back. Um, with a week week of in between the past, I think that's really good, a really good thought process for him. And he was absolutely striping the ball at Villamora. Fourteenth for strokes gained off the tee, fourth for approach, first for strokes gained tee to green. That's got to give him massive confidence. And you know, e- equally the way that he got over the line, big par save on the sixteenth, and he got he hit the, the par five in two, the seventeenth, and you know where everyone else was wobbling and throwing it in the water. Smashed two perfect shots to about 15, 18 feet, something like that. Two putted. Um, and that gave him a little bit of breathing space up the final hole. Pass save on the last from 20, 25 feet. You know, it's, it's got to give him a real, real boost. And uh, he comes into this event this week. He's finished sixth here in the past, a couple of years back. He's putted well here a number of times. He's played six times and he's finished in the top six for putting on three of those occasions. And he should, he should arrive this week in the crest of a wave. So, yeah, I was quite, I was quite pleased with his price, I must say, um, this week to get uh, to get 30 to 1. Um, finally, and again, if you go back through those um, those winning prices that I read through a few minutes ago, and uh, you see a lot of mid-range winners here, kind of in that 40, 50, 66 to 1 price point. So I've backed three from that range. Um, I've backed Laurie Cantor at 50 to 1. He was fifth here last year on debut, and again, I think this course absolutely plays to his uh, long game strengths. He was, was fourth also at the Dubai Desert Classic earlier this year, and, and of course we've, we know that he hasn't won yet. And so, you know, I, when I when I put my preview out yesterday, there were some comments back. You know, Laurie Cantor can't win, blah blah blah. It would be a huge title for him to take to break his maiden, but. You know, we, we saw him at Wentworth. He had a real chance of winning at Wentworth. That was a big Rolex Series event. He was second there. Um, top five since York or the York Open, um, Andalusia Masters, both of those top fives. I think he's knocking very firmly on the door. The course suits, course form, got some good desert form, 50 to 1. You know, if he finishes in the places, then I'll take a happy time. 50 to 1's an each way price, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. If he finishes top, top seven, great. Yeah, no, Cant has won for me this week. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Game game shape wise, absolutely perfect. I perfect. Think. Yeah. Uh, so Cant in. Victor Perez as well, about to sixty six. He's been tipped in a few places, so he's been uh, been back in to around about fifties now. But again, that's the right kind of price point, I think, for this. Um, I backed him last week. He finished twenty fourth, which doesn't work from a, an each way perspective, of course. But he closed with a bogey three sixty five. He had some really good, strong, long game stats over the weekend. And uh, if you combine that eighth place finish at Villamora, uh, where he putted really, really well with the fact that he really put his long game together over the weekend, then um, I think he's deserving of, uh, of a chance here this week at, uh, at the price on offer. 20th here on debut, seventh then last year. I think any further improvement from him this week, and he's paying us out again, at a, you know, a good mid range each way price. Uh, so Perez, Perez is in also, and finally I've backed Danny Willett, who um, I guess a bit of an enigma, isn't he? He misses a lot of cuts, um, but then he also seems to peak and only peak for the big events. And his last four wins: the Masters, the DP World Tour Championship here, 
the BMW PGA Championship, and then at the start of last month, the Alfred Dunhill Links. And then I counted that it missed, um, over the last four years, 41 out of 100 starts in terms of missed cuts. So that's a big ratio of missed cuts for a player of his stature and ability. But I think it's just about what really gets his juices flowing nowadays. And, uh, you know, he's coming into a, another big week with another big title, rubbing shoulders with some of the biggest stars um, on the on the world circuit, not just the European Tour circuit. And uh, I think that may well get his juices flowing again this week. His long game looked really sharp, actually, at St Andrews. Um, he put a new butter in the uh, a new butter in the bag that week. A new butter. Um, a new butter. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, not sure. Not sure. Butter on your. Uh, you your put a bit of anchor in, did he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. It's allowed either, is it? Um, but uh, I, I don't think it was the putter really that did the damage. I mean, he hit eighty-seven and a half percent of greens in regulation from the holes that were uh, recorded at St Andrews. So that was strong. Uh, he's won in Dubai before, um, outside of here. He won the Dubai Desert Classic in 2016, the year before he won, or the, in the same season before he won the Masters. Um, and we've already seen, I, I read through the list of names earlier, didn't I, of players who've won here twice. Um, Danny Willett's already won here. He could well be the next name to add to that list of dual earth course winners. So, um, so yeah, taking a chance on Danny. So Danny's in 55s, Victor Perez 66, Laurie Cantor, at 50 to 1, Thomas Peters at 30 to 1, and at the top, Matt Fitzpatrick at 16 to 1 to round off this season on the European Tour. And as you say, the last European Tour last event. Last ever big, European Tour yeah. event. So, all we need to do now, Steve, is go through and find and replace every instance of European Tour on our website and replace it with DP World Tour. That'll be a drink for the next few weeks. Well, can you just use Control a, F? They never cut a deal with us, did they? <laughs> huh? No, sadly not. I'll, I'll find I'll find a way, Barry, don't you worry. Yeah, you, you, guys, fancy? you guys didn't sponsor an event to juice their prize funds when they were struggling the most this year, you know? Get them up to that two million a week. We won't we won't talk about this DP World Tour Championship Malarkey or DP World Tour. But they in in the announcement last week they were bigging it up that every event now is going to be a two million dollar prize fund. And you just look at the PJ Tour and they're playing for seven point two million dollars this week at the RSM Classic. On a hit, and this is a hit and giggle week for the PJ Tour. It's, it's like, like a, it's like yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it is what it is, really. Who, uh, Barry, who do you fancy this week at the Earth Course? Yeah, I just want. I, I'm gonna. St- I'm gonna stick with Minwoo Lee. Hot hand, playing, playing great. It just does need to clean up a couple of those bogeys because you just can't be can't be hanging on to too many bogeys this week. But um, yeah, other than that, um, I'm happy to to grab him. 25, 28 to one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, the the other one I was curious about. I backed Sean Crocker, or Croker. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Did I was just curious. Like, did he enter your mind at all, Paul? Or yeah, again, in terms of the fit, in terms of game shape, yes. Um, I still got this the recollection of Crocker um, coming down the street. I forget which event it was a few months ago and, um, and and completely imploding. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of pressure with a lot of very good players in this field. And, you know, ultimately, when I was kind of, put, you know, cutting down to a final list, it's, it's a case of do I think some of these players are actually going to be able to, 
that hang about at the final, uh, you know, on the final stages here. And, and Laurie Cantor mm-hmm. was a, a big dilemma for me because you could argue the same. Um, I've just, you know, I've seen that little bit more from Cantor to suggest that he could hang about and, and stay in those each way positions. Yeah, and Crocker. I just couldn't quite get there, but listen. In terms of game shape, in terms of style of play, yeah, absolutely. I can, I, I can see the logic, one hundred percent with that. Mm, yeah, and so that's. I mean, okay, no, that's not a like a complete no disaster. So that's okay. No, no, uh, no. Not feeling too terrible about that going into the week, and then I mean, just sticking with the hot hands. I've backed Laporta again. Um. This will be his first time playing here, but you know it's it's right next door. He played well last week. I'm just gonna draw very um, thin, you know, tenuous lines between last week and this week, and just and just the guys hitting the ball pretty well um, on a course like this with big greens. Um, yeah, I just uh, I can't see how he doesn't hit a lot of greens in regulation. Then it's just does the putter work for him? No, no. Once once you've been invested in a player and he's come so close, there's a Again, there's that dilemma: Do I leave him alone and then watch him win the following week, or watch him place at a decent price the following week? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, ha- having opted not to go with him, in, and you know, it's it's a it's a tough one. So, yeah, and it's I, I, yeah, it's been it's been a good kind of confluence of factors to keep his price up as well. Like, yes, the field has got better, but he still has to beat the the other guys. He still has to beat the guys that are out there, regardless of what name they have on their. Um, on the caddy's bib so um that's kept his price up at a, a pretty nice level so yeah jumped on it again very good very good um, any from you steve billy horshaw you love billy i mean um, that, that's Paul, Paul's I, just saying a t to green yeah strong yeah. driver high gir was billy horshaw you look at his pga tour career four of his six victories on bermuda grass yeah. Four of six. Yeah. I remember was, him saying at Wentworth, he had a you know a real target if he could if he could you know win a race to Dubai kind of if he could he'd be one of the rarities that had won the FedEx Cup and the race to Dubai. I just think he he'd have been targeting this. He yeah, was also I know that he started very very nicely at Mayakoba last time out and then just kind of eased it off. I, I think Horsham twenty eight to one's a decent price on Horsham. I thought. Yeah, it was a little bit further down the odds, wasn't he? Which um, is. I mean, personally, I would take Billy Horschel over Sergio Garcia every day of the week. Yeah, yeah. Again, you can flip that on its head and look at uh, desert records. And I did look at um, Horschel's desert record over in the PGA Tour, which was ultimately kind of what put me off. If I'd have, if I'd have seen a lot of good desert performances. Um, then I might have, uh, I might have been. The only um, difference I'll say is that des- desert golf in America tends to be at altitude. Maybe mm. hits the numbers yeah. that freak Billy out. Where this isn't going to be at altitude. But yeah, yeah. I'm on Horschel personally. Um, I've I followed you in on Canter. Uh, yeah. I've also followed you in on Danny Willett because Danny is the kind of guy, as you said, that just takes out big tour titles. And personally, I, I fine, would rather it? be on someone like Danny Willett at fifty fives than a oh, I don't know Ian Poulter at fifty fives. Yeah, yeah. It just those big events, those big weeks, just seem to seem to spark something in his game. You know, again, li- listening to him t- talking in an interview, and uh, 
you know, talking about the state of his game, and he's admitted himself that there's a lot of you know pretty average, pretty poor play in there. But when he's good, when it when when it all clicks in that given week, when he when he finds whatever he needs to find, either mentally or with his game, he is very, very good. It's just uh, pinning those weeks down, as we as we know. But the reward for getting it right with Danny Willett is is usually pretty strong because of his incoming form. is always pretty nondescript, isn't it? Thomas Peters is currently 74th in the world. Mm. So if he could actually get over the line this week, you never know. That might sneak, in, sneak him into the top 50. I think it, but yeah, it, it, it would be right on the borderline. I think, won't it, one way or the other? It's um, yeah. I was surprised how I thought that I thought there would be a lot more points on offer. Just I think if Ram had played, the, it would have uh, been from Nos, you know, uh, Nosferatu. I was a little bit. Yeah. Oh God, was it twenty eight or something? No, it's forty eight. Forty eight yeah, for no, this and forty four yeah. for the RSM. If if Ram and Hovland had played, I think you'd have been. Oh, yeah. uh, significantly higher, but um, yeah, yeah, of course, but yeah. The way it is, yeah, I'm surprised Hovland didn't play. Personally, there you go. Right, yeah, I've not seen. I've not seen a reason, but no, not at all. Um, I expect he's playing. Let's just check this out. He I, is. Uh, he's, play, he's playing the hero. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say. I bet you he plays the hero. Yeah. Yeah. He's penciled in for that. So. Bit disrespectful there in my mind. Yeah, he's in that. Yeah, he's in the field. Right. That's yeah. A bit weird that. Right. Let's talk RSM Classic. The Kevin Kisner Appreciation Week. Now, I take it, Barry, that you are on board. Let's start with that. Can you can, have you got the Kevin Kisner bug this week? No. No. My <laughs> God. I, no. Like I've My I've backed God. him. I've I've backed him, but I'm going in with very low expectations. This is like the situation where everybody says <clears throat> a movie is amazing. But you just can't let yourself get excited by it. So you just buy the ticket and you get, you know, you go in and take your seat and uh, and hopefully it's really enjoyable. But you have a stake on him, but you're not into it. I just don't know. I mean, he's he's not telegraphing stuff at all. Really, he's been um, it's been a hard one to 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 get a handle on this year. So um, you know, hasn't played. I think, on, yeah, so I think I'm, I'm very negative. <laughs> I reckon he's shut down for the year. I reckon he's been out shooting turkeys. Oh, he has been out shooting turkeys. Yeah, I and not the kind. Of, yeah, not not the kind that we shoot. Go after in weekend in weekend golf competitions here in uh, the UK and Ireland. I, I, yeah, I think he's been I, out hunting and fishing. The two yeah, years he's done well here. Maybe, I was, I was aiming maybe to look this up before the podcast. Two years he's done well here. I was in. I was here on him at twenty-two to one, twenty fifteen. He'd finished second two weeks before in Shanghai at the WGC, mm. and then last year played the Masters the week before and got done in a playoff by Robert Strip. Apart from that, I think he's closed down for the year. I just don't think he's interesting. He went out to Las Vegas, took took the easy money at the CJ Cup where it was no cut, and that's him done. He's been out fishing and shooting turkeys, mate. So I'm not on Kevin Kisner this way. Well, I don't know. I've, I've, out of curiosity, I've backed him at 50 to 1. I thought, I thought the price was... To, we would discuss it. I didn't think that the price would be anywhere near them. So I think as an each-way punt, it was a good price at 50 to 1. I can see why that got demolished straight away. I don't think he'll win. Though. But yeah. So we'll two see. of the three of us are on Kevin Kisner, even though none of us are overly excited about it. <laughs> 
yeah, it's just like a begrudgingly. Um, I've just got to back him because it's a fo- it's a FOMO bet, isn't it? Just yeah. in case, just in case. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Let's let's talk about other golfers who we do re- like. We really wanted to back rather than begrudgingly back. Well, I haven't got much time, so let, let, let's let's really skin through it. It's the RSM Classic. It's played at two courses on St Simon's Island, which is a rather wealthy golf community on the Atlantic coast in Georgia. My my preview, I will put a link in the description to both Paul's preview and mine, as I always do. There's loads of information on here: who lives here, who trains here amateur records on this course and on the one next door it's all there loads of details taken me forever to put it all together that's the kind of thing i do for you guys i give you all the detail but yes um played on two courses they play the plantation course and the host course which is the seaside course we have strokes gain data since 2015 on the seaside course it's an absolute beauty, isn't it, Paul? It's all completely free of charge, a golf betting yep. system. We should really charge for it, but we're so generous here. <laughs> I will I will run through the top five total. Scheffler is one, played four rounds here. So this is strokes gain total on the host course. Doesn't include plantation before anyone shoots me because they don't record it. Kivner, Kisner at two. It is his appreciation week. Matthew Neesmith at three. Webb Simpson at four. And Alex Noren, of all people, at number five. That is strokes gained total on the seaside course since 2015. There's some interesting names there. Um, what else shall I talk, quickly talk through? Yeah, seaside golf course, 19 under par seems to be the number. I mean, if you want consistent winning score, 19 under is the winning score for Robert Streb, Tyler Duncan, Charles Hale III. 2017, less windy, Austin Cook, 21 under par. 2016, Mackenzie Hughes, blowy, if I remember. Pretty blowy that year, 17 under. Kevin Kisner, 22 under. So, if it really blows... Maybe 16 and 17s. If it doesn't really blow, I would suggest it might be 19 to 21s. That's what we're looking for. So it's a lot more difficult than what we saw last week at the Houston Open. Sorry, it's a lot easier than what we saw at the Houston Open last week. Um, We are dealing with Tiff Eagle Bermuda Grass on the greens. Uh, The host course itself is pretty wide off the tee. Um, I wouldn't describe it as a bomber's golf course either. These are the strokes gain numbers of the four of the five winners, Kisner through Streb. This is where they averaged in the field. Strokes gain off the T26th. You rarely see that on the PGA Tour. As we know, it's all about bombing. This golf course isn't about bombing. Strokes gained approach 21st. Strokes gained around the green 27th. And it's, it's, it's a kind of strange one here. Strokes gain T to green 14th. And as we can see, that strokes gain T to green number is made, which kind of just averages through. And strokes gain putting 11th. So people, winners here, have had a better week putting in general than they have T to green. That is an abnormality on the PGO to a big start. 
So for me, it gives short game putters a real chance of taking a PGA Tour event, which is very rare these days. Short course, 7,000 yards. The, the other plantation course is actually a par 72 at 7,000 yards. That is there for the taking. As we've always said, coastal golf very much depends on what the wind and the weather is going to do. Thursday is going to be absolute lights out. It's going to be a birdie fest. There is no wind. So you've got to get yourself in a position. The one thing I will say is I think we might have some real bias on the draw. Because Thursday there is no wind. So if you're on that plantation score course, you can rip. And then on Friday and then on Saturday, a lot more wind. Gusting up to 20, 25 miles an hour. Which isn't isn't going to turn this into a technical golf course by any way, but you've got to be able to play the wind to score here. So you might find, I think, that those that are playing Plantation on Thursday get a big leg up this week, just on the draw bias. Nothing on Jason Kokrak, by the way. He was on the wrong side of the draw by one and a half strokes last week. Even more reason why that uh, wind was impressive. Um so Friday could be blowing up to 25. Saturday could be blowing up to 25 miles an hour. Also, for America, it's going to be cold. 19 degrees Celsius on Friday, 20 degrees Celsius on Saturday. So, you know, it's not that's actually warmed up. It was uh, earlier yesterday, it was showing up to 17 degrees, so it's slightly warmer. But anyway, it's going to be scorable. Um, my, I've gone for six. Oh, I'll tell you what else I was going to mention. Average winning scores around here. In terms of odds of the champions, it's an absolute SHIT show. So if you're going to be falling Scotty Scheffler off a cliff at 10 to 1, good luck to you. That's all I'll say. Robert Streb, 350 to 1 winner last year. 350 to 1. Tyler Duncan, 200 to 1. Charles Howe the third. He was that lovely 50 to 1 price point that we like. Austin Cook was 90 to 1. Mackenzie Hughes, 250 to 1. Kevin Kisner, the year that we were on him, when we set up the Appreciation Society, 22 to 1. The average winning price here over the last eight renewals is 136 to 1. So as you said, I mean, Scotty Scheffler, Webb Simpson... Do your worst, really. Um, I'm going nowhere near them. Interestingly, with Webb Simpson, two years ago, when he was one of the best players on the planet, he went off, bearing in mind that he'd finished second at the WGC FedEx and Jude, second at the Wyndham Championship. Yes, yeah, seventh at the Shrine as the outing before. He went off at 10 to 1 to win this and didn't win it. So 14 to 1 when he's playing absolute garbage. I'm not sure about Webb Simpson. I was expecting to see a bigger price, but the bookmakers know better than that because he would have been absolutely hammered. It would have been Webb Simpson and Kevin Kisner Appreciation Week if they'd put 20 to 1 up on Webb Simpson. I'm going for the following players. I'm going to be really quick. I am going for Mackenzie Hughes. Mackenzie Hughes, who won here in 2015. 
as we said at the top of the show, Mackenzie Hughes is on the bubble, world top 50. Big, big week for Hughes. And I'll tell you what I remember about Mackenzie Hughes. I'm on at one and a half points each way, 60 to one, uh, seven place each way with Betfred. I can remember Mackenzie Hughes the year that he, uh, I think it was two years ago, might have, been, uh, might have been last year actually. He's the kind of player that you actually put him under a bit of pressure. He seems to play better. because so I can remember him having to, play really well at the BMW Championship to squeak into the Tour Championship, and he actually delivered. So actually, this World Top 50 situation and getting himself a nice Masters invite, I think that might actually work in his favour. And if there's one thing Mackenzie Hughes has surprised me with, bear in mind he was fourth in Japan a few weeks ago, he's actually starting to hit some greens. And that is dangerous, because Hughes is scrambling around the green and paying. As we know, it's one of the best in the world. I think there's a link here as well. You look at RSM Classic, you look at the Corrales Championship, and you look at the players that have done well at Corrales, both in terms of when it was on the Corn Ferry and on the PJ Tour. Very, very close affiliations. Uh, Mackenzie Hughes has been runner-up at Corrales twice. Likes playing by the coast. So I'm on Hughes at fifty at 60 to 1. I'm also on... Brendan Todd at 60-1 to one with Betfred 7 place each way. Brendan Todd, he's another one, started to hit some greens. He's got a lot of South Eastern Conference Championship experience here. In fact, I've got, I found an interview with him back in 2014. So we're, we're talking back in 2014 here. Um, he, he shot a great round. He was near the top of the leaderboard. He said that at that point, he'd already shot over 24, 25 rounds around this place. Uh, since then, I think he was fourth back in 2019. That was when he won at Bermuda, won the Mayakoba, and almost won three on the bounce. Um, it was hot property back then, wasn't he? He was. He was 11th last time out, and he actually hit a very high amount of greens, which is why I'm, again, on Todd, because he's a fantastic putter. Also, Todd and Hughes, they are decent wind players. So Todd and Hughes for me, 60 to 1. And then I've just gone for a sprinkle of treble digit shots. Tyler Duncan, 125 to 1 with Betfred 7 place each way. He's a previous winner here. I've gone for Andrew Landry. Just missed out on 150s, but I'm on 125 to 1 on Andrew Landry. I've got full eight places each way with Paddy Power on Andrew Landry. The sort that can get over the line, two PGA Tour victories. I've gone for Davis Riley, who is a rookie, who is one of these guys that's got a fantastic Jones Cup and Southeastern Conference record on these on this golf course and the one next door from amateur golf and college golf. Uh, he's got a whole list. He was also in the top ten at Bermuda. He finished seventh at the Bermuda Championship, and when you know when all that. You know the final round there where it was blowing a hooli? Riley was in the top three that day for scoring in the crux of the win. So I'm on Davis Riley, 150 to 1 with Paddy Power, eight places. And I'm also on another rookie who lives on Sea Island and again has a fantastic record both on this golf course, Seaside, and on the Ocean course, which is next door for the Jones Cup. Grayson Sig. 
I'm having a sick this week. Grace and Sig, 150 to 1. Seven places each way, 50 odds with Betfred on Sig, who has another one with these phenomenal amateur record on St. Simon's Island. So, I've got Sig, Riley, Landry, Duncan, Todd, and Hughes. Those are my six for the RSM Classic. You boys, hit us with it. Go on, bro. Uh, <clears throat> um, Graham McDowell, just sticking with it. Nothing further than that. A um, couple of other long shots. Bronson Burgoon. Burgoon. I'm just, I'm just grabbing like stuff at the bottom of the pack and just seeing what happens. I mean, if Martin Trainer can get a place for people <laughs> at like 95 million to one, then why not? Um, I like what I saw at a Joel Damon's game last week. Um, really good tea to green stuff. Um, so that um, that catches my eye. Got him. A, took him at fifty to one. And is that it? Oh yeah, I'm Matthew Neesmith, who um has like you know dominated the honors boards at this course uh, according to Steve's um research. So I uh, got him. Took him at a hundred to one. Yeah, I was on him last year. Good player, Neesmith, on the on the island. Mm, yeah, solid record there, isn't it? Very, very solid. Barry, you did say to me that these these um, these streaks do get broken, and they do. But no player has ever won this after winning in the same year. So that's what put me off Damon. But Damon's going to be hugely popular because he plays. He, he won at Corrales as well, didn't he? See? So it all works. So when Damon does win... Congratulations on that. <laughs> i tell you what I was thinking as well. Martin Trainer, that is not a bad bet this week. 500 to 1 available with Unibet this week on Martin Trainer, who's in the top five last week in Houston. And who won. won in Puerto Rico by the coast. His only PGA Tour top. Mm. Well, only PGA Tour win. Up until yeah. last week, it was his only PGA Tour top 10. We've seen it before. Someone, these players find something. There's no reason why he can't do it two weeks on the trot. I thought that was a crazy price on training, but there you go. I'm not on him. Um, you, Paul. Yeah, I. Well, KK, I've, I've backed, as I said. Um, I like Brendan Todd as well, Steve. I'm, I'm in on him. Um, the same price in terms as you, you said. I, I think that he's got that right kind of neat and tidy game, isn't he? And. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's got a lot to like here. Fourth, as you said, back in 2019. Um, Barry, I'm also on Graham McDowell, so we've got a lot of overlap this week. Um, the other one that I I'm on, that need, yeah, I, I think it, I, I, can't, I see no reason to, to miss him out on that kind of 200 to one prize point. No. Um, the one I'm on that neither of you have mentioned is Adam Long, who has got some good progressive form, uh, 25th, 22nd, 11th over his last three starts. Um, he shot a 64 and a 65 here over his last two attempts. Um, ninth uh, driving accuracy, ninth of greens and regulation, second for scrambling last week when finishing 11th. So some good metrics coming out of his uh, his game recently and some good form or some good good rounds that he's posted here in the past. So um, can put it all together this week. 90 to 1 generally for Adam Long is available which I've taken with seven places this week. 
But uh, yeah, other than that, um, we're, we're all singing off a very similar hymn sheet, which uh, well, Adam Long, good or bad. Adam Long, yeah, he's got a great record at My Cobra as well, and at Corrales. I've, he's come close for me at both of those. So yeah, it all stacks up. I'll just, I'll just throw some other names out there. Davis Thompson, he's got a fan, fantastic record at these amateur events around here. Um, Alex Smalley, who's been popping up recently, but he's got found out 100 to 1 on Smalley, which is ridiculous. Another one, Max McGreevy. Now, he was hanging about sort of top 18, top 20 last week on Max McGreevy. There's a, I'll tell you another one who's got a good record in these amateur events on this island. He's Matthias Swab. Matthias. So, if you're looking at it from a European tour action uh, angle, Matthias might not be a bad bet. I'm scrolling. He's always short, Matthias Swab. I don't yeah. know why. He's always it's an expectation, short. isn't it? Hundred to one, Matthias Swab, who's played loads of golf here because he obviously went to one of these southeastern conference colleges. So yeah, it's absolutely wide open. So ripe for a big uh, three-figure prize winner, Steve. Have fun. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, that'd be good. Right, thank you for your time, gentlemen. I hope your bets yeah. go well. Yeah, best of luck, guys, and uh, thanks for all your input over the last year, Barry. It's been very much appreciated, as ever. Cheers, boys. Yeah, good luck on the bets this week. Let's hope we land uh, multiple winners. That would be nice. That would be nice to finish the, the year off on a, on a high. It would. Thank you for your time, Barry. It's always much appreciated. I know the listeners love you. They love your Irish charm on the pod. Rather than now Cockney, uh, <laughs> Cockney rubbish that we come out with. Cockney so slash Ch- Chilean. <laughs> oh yeah, Chile- my Chilean. I'm going to practice that over the, the cold winter evenings, <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll come back in early 2022 when uh, Wacky Wacky will be going off at 16 to one to win some of these tournaments. Um, I hope your bets go well, listeners. We will see you. We might we might do a Christmas special. Who knows? But if not, we'll be back in uh, early 2022 for the Tournament of Champions. Uh, I, uh, I bid you goodbye. Goodbye. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf